welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good to have you here today. My name is Mike. That's Sam. We're going to be uh, leading you in worship today. And uh, Jackson is going to be, uh, Jackson is the youth intern uh, with us. And so this is Sacred Sunday. Once a month, we try, we take down the screen and we try to uh, do some, some songs that are kind of more from, uh, from our history as uh, covenanters. Um, so you'll hear us sing some songs that are maybe from a hymnal. Um, but we're going to start with a reading. So Jackson, take it away. Today's scripture reading will be from Psalm 77, in which the writer talks about their darkest hour. The question is asked, where is God to be found? Will I be comforted again? This reading is from Henry Nouwen. Some of us are afraid to die. Whatever else hell may mean to us, it certainly entails our total rejection, our nothingness. Maybe a presence can protest. Voice words that protest our fear. So that when the hour of death comes, we know that we are not alone. It is indeed possible for us to be faithful in death, to express a solidarity based not just on a return to everyday life, but also on a participation in the death experience. This belongs in the center of the human heart. I will wait for you means much more than if you survive this, I will be there with you again. There will be no ifs. I will wait for you is an expression of the fact that faith goes beyond death and is the deepest expression of the fact that faith and hope may pass, but that love will remain forever. I will wait for you as an expression of solidarity which breaks through the chains of death. One can lead another to tomorrow even when tomorrow is the day of another's death. I will wait for you. All right, friends, if you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be dynamite. Uh, good morning, 11 o'clock. How we doing? All right. Hey, there you go. There's a little more life in this room. That's great. 9 o'clock was a little sleepy, I got to admit. Every once in a while, Melody calls me, and she's like, Micah, there's nobody else. Can you sit in? I've called everybody. I have no other people who can play the guitar. Would you? And I'm like, you know what, Mel? For you, I'll do that. So um, thanks for letting me do that. Appreciate it. The band's been putting up with me. Now back to uh, what I really feel like I, I'm, I'm good at, um, which is this, and the Bible, and teaching. Um, before we do that, if you are new, welcome to you. Uh, my name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here. We are glad that you're here. We'd love to know that you were here. Uh, on our website, there's a place you can click a button that says, I'm new. And uh, if you could fill that out, let us know. Somebody from our team will reach out, uh, invite you to a beverage of your choice. Love to get to know you a little bit more. Um, a couple things for uh, our community and uh, our life together we want to make, make you aware of. Uh, first and foremost, the Advent kickoff is coming up. It's November the 28th. It's the first Sunday of Advent. A couple years ago, we decided to do good old-fashioned like Swedish meatballs, you know, and mashed potatoes, lingonberry. If you've been to Ikea, you know what we're doing here. Um, but uh, it was a real hit, a real slam dunk. And then COVID happened, and we got all down in the dumps, and we thought, you know what, though? We're, we're going to... We're going to rise up, people. We're going to rise up. So we got ourselves a 16-foot Christmas tree last year. Now we've got a 16-foot Christmas tree. We've got to light it. 
So that's going to happen. It's November 28th. We'll put the tree outside. You'll come downstairs, get your food. We'll be out on the lawn over here. There'll be hot drinks. It's fun for all. Kids can come. In fact, you can invite your pets if you'd like to. This is a dog-friendly event, friends. It's going to be great. November 28th. Hope to see you there. Um, also, related to Advent and Thanksgiving and that, um, we are collecting things for The Lift, which is an organization we have supported and are friends with over on the east side. They're doing some Thanksgiving dinner meal for families that they serve. So this week and next week, if you forgot this week, you can bring it next week. The list is on the website and in the Awaken Weekly. Um, and my good friend Sharon and others will be in the back collecting that. So thank you in advance. Um, there is a, a group of people that like science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, any stemmers out there? Any stemmers out there? We've got a mingle for you, friends. Mel started an artist mingle, and these folks came to us and was like, that is so not cool that we don't get our own mingle. We're like, you can have your own mingle. So that's happening November the 18th, 7 to 8.30, just a chance to get together and talk shop with people who, who, who love the same thing. And last but not least, very excited about this, a uh, little kids' community update. A couple weeks ago, Mandy came and shared. We had some, some needs to get our kids' program up and running again. And the twos and threes class will be open next week, friends. That's very exciting. That's you all. That's you all. Thank you. Yep. And we need six more volunteers to open the fours and fives class. So um, we love our kiddos. We love it when they're with us. And we also know that it is a gift to parents. Just one hour. Just one hour. 40 minutes, actually. Um, so if you are available, please, uh, please let Mandy know, Mandy at AwakenCommunity.com. Um, that is all, uh, I take it back, Advent, you know how like, we light the candle for Advent, you know, the love, joy, hope, peace, families, if you're interested, or you're listening online, um, that's you guys, we did this last year, and if you're interested in lighting a candle on one of the Sunnies in Advent, Mel, is that you or is that Mandy? That's Melody. She's in the back, everybody. Talk to Melody. Uh, Melody at Awaken, make, Awaken West 7th. Okay, let's do this. Psalm chapter 77, if you have your Bibles. Um, we are in a series, week five of a series called Faith and Doubt. And we're walking through this, uh, mostly because we believe that the spiritual journey has, uh, has multiple stops along the way. There are studied and... Uh, noted places, uh, seasons that people find themselves in in the spiritual life, and uh, they can be um, described and um, made normal, right? So a lot of people who come to Awaken find themselves, if there's simplicity and complexity, this is early stages of faith, lots of uh, authority and everything straightforward, pretty dualistic thinking. Complexity is just kind of like working the system, right? Growing it, you're, 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 you know what to believe, you're on your way, you're, walk, you're rocking it out. And then step three, simplicity, complexity, perplexity, is where you start asking lots of questions. A lot of deconstructing. And a lot of times people will say, for those folks who find themselves there, um, like, we're worried about you. You know, you're asking all these questions. Are you losing your faith? Are you backsliding? Is that what's going on here? And we start praying for these folks. And I just want to say, like, hey... I'll never say don't pray for me, but if, you're fine, if you find yourself in that place, you're okay. You're going to be fine. You're right where you need to be. And we want to continue to move in that journey towards deeper stages of faith. So that's what this series is about. We've looked at Nicodemus. We've looked at uh, a couple weeks ago, Thomas, Doubting Thomas. Last week we looked at Jesus, right? You've heard it said, but I say unto you. And today we're going in the Old Testament, a little throwback to Psalm 77. 
So, if you have your Bibles, turn there. I'll invite Elizabeth to come, and she's going to read the scripture for us. Uh, So, if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Pray with me if you would. God, as we turn our attention to this psalm, uh, which was written so long ago, And yet, uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that many of us have felt similar feelings and have prayed similar prayers to you. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, you'd be present to us where we are and that you would invite us to take whatever step is next in our journey as we seek uh, to find truth and life and love in you. We pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit and the church said together, Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a in a church that often read scripture. You know, like I guess in liturgical churches, there's a gospel reading, there's uh, there's a proverb, a psalm, sometimes a New Testament reading, and all these things are done in like one gathering. So sometimes it's great just to hear a whole psalm or a whole passage read together. Um, so this series is about questions. It's about doubts. It's about that part of the the life of faith. Um, maybe deconstructing and then reconstructing. And all of this is true. I'd be, I'd be lying if I told you otherwise, that 
This isn't the spiritual life. And I think there's a way to walk that journey out that is wise, that is um, the well-worn path, as the proverb puts it. Uh, and there are also ways to do this kind of work or to ask these deep questions that maybe are less fruitful than others. As your pastor, one of your pastors, I want to lead you more in this direction than that direction. Um, and I want to take some cues from the psalmist because I think what, what happens in this psalm is uh, a bit of a roadmap, if you will. Uh, I'm not interested and I don't often say like, you know, here's my three steps to this or here's a formula that you can take and apply. This is one of those psalms, though, where if you look at it, you're like, okay, this is, this, is, this is actually really good. I could take this. These are some nuggets. So that's what I want to do this morning is look at some of the wisdom that the psalmist offers. And I'll begin by reminding you that a cry inaugurates the story of God in Scripture. A cry begins the story of God in the Scriptures. Uh, some of you may not know this, but the Old Testament is written in Hebrews, or Hebrew, not Hebrews. That's a book in the Bible, Micah. Uh, it is written in Hebrew, the language, and um, the, the folks who would have taught in um, the ancient world in Jesus' time were called rabbis, and many of them still today argue that the, the Bible actually begins in Exodus. Now you might say, Micah, that's not true. This table of contents tells us that Genesis is the first book of the Bible, that's where the story begins. And while that is true, there are many who argue that the activity, if the Bible is the story of God's action, the story of God's activity in the world, that the, the, the story really begins to pick up or kind of really cranks up in the book of Exodus. So Genesis is actually sort of a prologue. It's an entrance. It's a, here's what God is like. Uh, not like all these other gods and all these other creation stories, but very different in these certain ways, and that's an interesting study. Um, and here are some things, here, here's Joseph and how the Israelites got to Egypt, but then the story really begins in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, to be more specific, verse 23, if you have your Bibles, turn there, reads this way. Exodus 2, verse 23, it says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God, God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. So God looked, God saw on the Israelites and was concerned or knew them. Chapter 3, Moses enters the scene and the story really gets going. So the story begins with a cry. A group of people who cry out to God. A group of people who Say, God, where are you? We're oppressed. We're enslaved. Uh, things are not going well here. And turn their hearts, cry out to God. That's how the story begins. And the psalmist actually begins the same way. If you caught that in verse 1 of chapter 77. The psalmist says, I cried out to God. I cried out for God to hear me. And the King James says, and God turned his ear to me. I want to begin this morning here because I think it's really important that we remember that God hears the cry of the afflicted. That if we think about what is the Bible doing, it's, it's showing us, it's teaching us, it's giving us clues as to what God is like, what we are like, what the world we live in is like. And one of the fundamental things that the Bible is saying is that God hears the cry of the afflicted. God hears the cry of the oppressed. God hears the cry of the one who is in the dark. Now you might be saying to me, Micah, 
while that's true, or maybe it's true, my experience of that is quite different sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I cry out to God and I feel like God is not there. I feel like God is absent. I feel like God is not listening, that my prayers are echoing off of the walls of heaven, wherever that is. To which I would say to you, I don't want to invalidate your feelings, because that doesn't go well. I'm married to a person named Laura, and um, I've done that a couple times, and that's just never a good idea. You know, invalidating another person's feelings, especially your partner, not a good idea. And sometimes people in church say, like, don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your heart. It's wicked, deceitful. I'm not going to say that. I'm actually going to say that your heart and your feelings are a part of how you know, how you experience truth and reality. So I'm not going to go, don't trust your feelings. But I'm also going to say that sometimes our feelings don't accurately represent truth or reality. That's also true. We can hold two things in tension. So you may be saying, Micah, my experience of God sometimes is that I cry out and God isn't listening. And I would just offer this reminder to you. That the story of God in the Bible begins with a group of people who cry out to God and God hears them. God is not too busy. God is not inactive. God is not busy doing other things. God is not unattentive, but rather God's ear is turned toward the cry of the afflicted, the oppressed. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. So maybe even this morning is an invitation for you to discipline yourself. You know, sometimes we do something that's hard because we know it's good for us to discipline ourselves, to cry out to God, even when we may think or it feels like God is not listening, to keep doing that because, in fact, sometimes the life of prayer is about as much about me and my heart and the soil that I'm cultivating in that posture than it is about the results or the action. And so as I cry out to God, even if it feels like God is absent, I'm cultivating a soil and a spirit and a heart that is vulnerable before the divine, that is willing to offer the deepest parts of myself. It's cultivating a spirit that's open and awake and soft versus hard and distant. And as your pastor, I would encourage you that way, not that way. So even if it doesn't feel like it, I think it's good sometimes to discipline ourselves, to believe the things or to to act in faith about the things that we know that are true from Scripture, that God hears the cry of the oppressed. In fact, Jesus is the confirmation of that, amen? That God hears the cry of the oppressed, the, the world groaning, as Paul says, and becomes one of us. If that's not turning God's ear, I don't know what is. So I want to begin there because I think that's where the psalmist begins. As we move from there, we see uh, there are some questions, there are some friends, and there are... Um, Questions, leave no, no uh, questions. Oh, memory. Questions, memory, and friends. Questions, memory, and friends. The psalmist leave no, leaves no stone unturned. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Leave no stone unturned? If you look at verse 6, it says, I remembered my songs in the night, my heart meditated, and my spirit asked. If you dig into that last word, asked, it, it, it gets into this like a diligent search. Not some sort of laissez-faire, you know, like, oh, I looked around, I just didn't see it. No, like, diligent search. Uh, I live with some people who lose things. They shall remain nameless. But here's how this goes, right? Uh, we wake up, we've got practice after school, 
breakfast is being eaten and someone says, hey, do you have the things that you need for uh, your gymnastics practice? And one of them says, oh my gosh, I can't find my Leo! To those of you who don't know what a Leo is, that's short for leotard. It's used for gymnastics practice. And, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't find my Leo, where is it? Oh, I looked everywhere for it. And we're like, okay, slow down. Like, did you, uh, did you look in your room? Yes, I looked in my room. Do you think I'm an idiot? No, I don't think you're an idiot. I am your friend. I am your advocate. I am your helper. Kind of like the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> so let's go look in your room because it's, there's a good chance it's not in my room. All right? So we go into their room, and I just begin to turn over all the stones, which is to say, just lift up all of the clothing items that are on the floor. And lo and behold, it turns out there's always a Leo underneath these stones that have not been turned. And all is well, because we've left no stone unturned. The psalmist leaves no stone unturned and no question unasked. Did you hear the questions that he asks in this psalm? Verse 7 says, will the Lord reject me forever? Will God never show God's favor again on me? Like, is my best life in the past? Is it all downhill from here? Is this the abundant life? Has God's unfailing love vanished for all time? Has God forgotten how to be merciful? Is God's is God angry and withholding compassion? I mean, this is, this is no joke. These are gutsy questions that someone is asking about the nature of God. Like, the deep end of the pool kind of questions. Like, this, this, this fellow is not, you know, hanging on to the side of the pool. He's like sink or swim out in the deep end. So, when we started this church, some of you know the story, we printed these bumper stickers, and they, one of the bumper stickers said, permission to question. And that has always been true at Awaken, and it remains true. I don't think God is bothered by, or intimidated by, or offended by your questions. Even if it's, God, have you, are you so angry that you've forgotten how to be compassionate? And I'm trying to become the kind of pastor who's also not intimidated by or anxious by your questions. So I want to just slow down here for a moment. We say that questions are welcome and that kind of thing uh, often. But I want to actually give you a moment. And if I were to come down and do an all-play question uh, and ask you to, to, to answer this, um, it may be a little more vulnerable than uh, you know, Sunday morning allows. So I'm not going to do that, but I am going to give you a moment. What are the deep end of the pool questions that you have for God? Like if you were to say them out loud, you'd be like, can you say that? What are the questions that you have for God? And I would encourage you, maybe there, you can hear your own voice asking those questions in your head sometimes to just write it down is a, a movement, a cathartic experience of getting it <clears throat> outside of my head and into the world without telling anybody. I would encourage you to do that. Another step would be, have you shared 
those questions with anybody? Is there someone close enough that you're walking with in this journey of the spiritual life where you could be honest about those questions? That's another level of vulnerability. But I think it's important to see that the, the psalmist doesn't shy away from any of the questions. These are profound, and the answers to them are really, really important. And he goes there, just lets it rip. No stone unturned. Even in the midst of a diligent search with no stone unturned, the psalmist brings their memory with them. I don't know if you noticed this or not. After he asks all the questions, verse 10 says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The King James says, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of your right hand. Um, I think sometimes when we talk about the spiritual life and we talk about the journey of the spiritual life, we think that like the previous versions of ourselves are less than, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're immature, they're not to be listened to, we look down on them with sort of a pejorative sort of way. And I, I, I want to challenge that this morning. In this series, we've talked about transcending, growing, moving on the spiritual journey, and including, which includes including parts of you from a previous season. It includes your memories that you don't have to leave behind. You don't have to check them at the door because they were underage. No, they get to come to the cocktail party. They get to sit at the adults' table with you because they're your memories. They're your experiences of God and God's faithfulness, God's steadfast love, the things that we want to believe are true about God that many of you have experienced. And I want to encourage you, you don't have to leave those behind. Bring them with you. In fact... This work of questioning and going there to the deep end of the pool can be done with just questions and just skepticism and just the wonderings. But I would submit to you that it's actually better when we hold in tension the things that we remember that are true about God's love and faithfulness with the questions and allow both of those things to guide you as you move forward. I remember when I was just like just a brand new Christian, ninth, 10th grade, I you know, gave my life to the Lord as much as I could, much as I knew then. And all hell broke loose in my family, and I thought I was going to drown. I thought, like, this is, this is the end. And I stumbled upon Isaiah 42 and 43. I don't know if I, I was reading, like, My Daily Bread. Do you guys remember those little daily devotionals you could get at Northwestern Bookstore? Whatever happened to those? But I, you know, like, I stumbled on Isaiah 42 and 43. It says, a bruised wick I will not, like, dis, dis, uh, extinguish. Uh, if, the, if the waters rise and you feel like the, you're going to drown, I will, I will spare you. If the fire you feel like is coming, you will not be burned because I am the Lord your God and you are one that I love. And I remember being in my, in my bunk bed as a 12th grader reading these words and thinking, I think I'm going to be okay. And I remember that moment of God speaking those words to me and reminding me that this is true. I remember being in college Top section of the bleachers, up at the top, like, you know, going through a desert sort of experience in my life. And I just said, God, I desperately need to hear from you and experience you and feel you. And it was like uh, uh, the floodgates of heaven opened, kind of like right now. Like the light just poured in. Nice work. That was good. The flood, the light poured in, and I'm just at the top of the bleachers just weeping, like snot running down my face. People are like, what has happened to Micah? I am with the Lord right now, people. Take off your shoes. It's holy ground here. I remember going to, to a chapel, this little chapel, and 
for the first time in my life, being overwhelmed by God's presence in the Eucharist. It hasn't happened to me much since then, but I remember that day. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was driving to the Brule to go fly fishing. The sun's rising over Lake Superior, and I'm listening to this podcast. Mako Fujimura is an artist. He's being interviewed by this guy, and he's experienced a tremendous amount of suffering. And the, the interviewer said, how, how did you get here? And Mako just said, I don't know. I just know grace. And I, I start weeping. And God says, Micah, I see you. I've seen you the whole time. As sure as the sun which is rising in front of you, every day I've been with you. And it's my grace. And I remember that moment. I will keep that moment as I go forward. Because when the questions come and the doubts arise, and it is dark, and it feels dark, and it feels silent, friends, don't forget your memories. Bring them with you. They're yours, and they inform your experience of God. That happened. So take them with you. Lastly, I think it's important to remember, if you go back to the beginning of the psalm, if you actually have your Bible, look at it. Uh, at the top of the, at the headers, at the beginning of Psalms, sometimes it'll say, like, who wrote it or what it was for. And if you notice this one, it says, for the director of music, for Jeduthun of Asaph. So Asaph is the author, but he didn't write it for himself. And it's clear that he did not also write it in isolation. He wrote it for and with a community of people that were surrounding him, and they sang these things together. This was a work of the people. So don't ask your questions and don't go alone. I think that could be one of the most fatal mistakes that we make. There's this great line in covenant history. It's like, heresy always has isolation very nearby. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you're like, how did I get here? I would almost bet the farm that there were not a lot of people along that process that, that, that got you to where you were. Friends, I mean, the Bible opens and it says, humans, they're not meant to be alone. So God makes a partner suitable. The Christian life, spiritual life, is not meant to be walked alone. So ask the questions. Go deep. Go hard. Go all in. Like, let her rip. And if you can, and this is why we have life groups. It's why we have uh, spiritual directions groups. It's why we say, gather outside of Sunday morning so that you know each other's names and you know the questions you're asking. Don't do it alone. If you can. Offer yourself in community and do this work together. James Franco plays this character in this movie where he, uh, you got, do you guys, did you ever see this one? I have a wild story about this. <laughs> he plays this character who's like a mountaineer guy and he goes out into the wilderness of Utah and he slips and falls and he falls in this crevasse and he ends up like pinning his arm in this crevasse and he's like stuck there for days. So Hadley... <laughs> Hadley and I, for some dumb reason, decide to watch this movie on the way home from our sabbatical when we were in Spain. So we're, we're flying from Spain back to New York City. We're watching this movie. Spoiler alert, he has to remove a part of his own body to get out, okay? I do not do well with needles in hospitals. In fact, I have pictures of me fainted in hospitals visiting people of the church. This is not a joke. 
<laughs> so we're like, hey, let's watch this movie. So we're watching it on screen side by side next to each other. And it gets to this part, and I'm not kidding you, both of us pass out. <laughs> Oh, God, it was terrible. Here's why I tell that story. They say in the wilderness and mountaineering, the worst mistake that you can make is to go out and not tell someone where you're going. Because that kind of thing happens. You fall, you trip, you break something, and nobody knows where you are. They don't even know where to go looking for you. Don't do that. Go on the adventure. Climb the mountain. Scale the peak. But tell people where you're going so we know where to look for you. Don't go alone. For the director of music, for Jeduthun of Asaph, this psalm is honest. He spares no expense. He asks all the questions. He's ruthlessly honest. He brings his memory with him. But he doesn't do it alone. And I would encourage you, if there were a roadmap for this kind of work in the spiritual life, I think Psalm 77 is a pretty darn good one. It begins with a cry. It's deep and honest questions for God and of God. It brings the memory of the faithfulness of God along. And it's with community. So I would offer that to you this morning. If you find yourself there, anywhere along the spiritual journey, this is good stuff. So let me offer a word of prayer. We'll give you uh, just a moment of silence, and then we'll move towards the table and closing to our time together. So pray with me. <clears throat> God, this morning, as we take a few moments in silence to hear uh, what is often the still and small voice of your spirit, I pray for my friends who are here this morning, wherever they are in their journey, God, that you would sink deep the truths of the wisdom of the scriptures in our hearts. That even if it feels like you're not there, that we would cry out to you. Because many have testified that you are. That we would bring our honest questions. Even the ones that we think we can't say. That we would remember if we have memories of you and your faithfulness, that we would bring them with us and that we would do it together. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. Move us, invite us, I pray. Okay, friends. Well, thanks for being here. You guys sounded great. Um, I'd like to leave you with this blessing bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.